0: Welcome to the fifth episode of Changemakers, a podcast by the McGill Tribune covering student activism within and around the McGill community. My name is Noah Vatten, and I'm one of the multimedia editors. Today, I am joined by a super interesting guest by the name of Lenny Lenhardt, the founder of Modern Manhood, a pilot project run by men and made for men, working to positively redefine what it means to be a man.
1: I'm Lenny Lenhardt. I graduated from McGill this past May, so that was a strain of 2021 i graduated with a degree in sociology and i had minors in international development as well as italian um and i'm originally from the united states from a suburb outside of washington dc but i now live here in montreal and i currently work at a doggy daycare
0: awesome thank you very much so you graduated last year and um in the past couple of months was it like kind of around the uh end of last year when you graduated may june you came up with the idea for starting um modern manhood is that correct
1: yeah so i had been thinking a lot about um gender a lot about ideas around masculinity femininity just the way that we perform gendered scripts and expectations for a long time um i had had a lot of conversations with one of my good friends felicia gisandi who runs the group bodies a to z and she was running a podcast she is running a podcast called ladies let's talk about sex and she wanted to have me on to because we had talked about gender and masculinity in our own personal conversations and said why don't we do this on the podcast and so we i went on to spoke with her and kind of mentioned to her that i was interested in developing these ideas further and trying to potentially work with some type of mentorship program or get involved with some type of organization and she said why don't you come on join bodies a to z we already are working providing more comprehensive and all-encompassing sex education in high schools and middle schools in montreal and i'll give you the platform and the space to create a project around masculinity and manhood and develop that a curriculum around that and so i said that sounds awesome and so over the summer I've been working on further developing that, and now we've made it to the stage where I'm recruiting a team, and hopefully by this winter we'll be going into uh, into high schools in Montreal and talking with guys in the classroom.
0: So yeah, that's that's your experience and your process over the last three months for trying to get it started, and how you're going to implement it and coming up with ideas. But what what led you to getting to that? point where you wanted to start a project like bottom manhood what what were the influences in your life and why do you think that was something that was necessary
1: yeah it was honestly from the pressures that I myself had felt around what it means to be a man around um, the expectations and the constraints that patriarchy places on boys and growing up and as I've started to think about these issues more I know that I couldn't be the only one who was feeling these pressures a lot of times when I've been reflecting I wish that I could go back in time and have conversations with my younger self and comfort this younger boy, this younger Lenny who feels like these pressures and constraints that are put in place by the patriarchy are all that exist in the world and reminds him that things do get better, um, that it's okay to be sensitive, that you're not less worthy simply because you don't share all the interests of what what boys are quote unquote supposed to like. But obviously I can't go back in time. So the next best thing that I can do is to talk with boys, talk with the men of tomorrow, And sort of provide them with those outlets where they can have those conversations and to remind them that, no, there isn't any one way that you can be a boy that you can be a man there's every way under the sun that you can be yourself and the more authentic you are to yourself, the happier and more self content that you're going to be.
0: I definitely agree and I I relate to a lot of the things you just said I think that is a a shared dialogue for a lot of people growing up right now as we're having a societal awakening for you know different standards of what's being accepted and what's okay and a lot of people haven't understood that and, and I think the unfortunate part about that is because there's so many people who do have that dialogue and, and agree with that point of view but they don't necessarily know the amount of others that also agree with that, because we're still kind of tentative with that conversation opening up and being able to discuss that amongst even our friends. So I think it is so important to start a project like this because regardless of the fact that we are starting to make leaps and big steps into progressing in this conversation, there's still a lot of people who don't know that they're able to start talking about this and have these conversations.
1: And I would point to, I think, the use of shame in patriarchy and gendered expectations is underlines everything in this conversation. Um, Shame, guilt tells you that you've done something wrong. Shame tells you that there's something fundamentally wrong with you as a person. And whenever people defy gendered expectations, we use shame as an enforcer to try and get them back into line and to get them to submit. And when you feel this feeling of shame, I shouldn't be this way. I'm a bad person because of this or that. It's a very isolating and lonely emotion. You shut down and you draw in on yourself. And when you feel those feelings, you're much more reluctant to open up and to share your experiences. And so I really hope to try and eliminate the factors of shame that we have and to remind boys that know all these pains and these struggles that you're going through, you are not alone in those.
0: Yeah, and I, I don't necessarily, like, I, I do see the 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 way that you're using the word shame, but I think it could also be applied in a slightly different manner. Um, I don't mean to take your words out of context, but maybe you agree with this, but the, the shame that's also put on, like, as we, we've fostered over the past hundreds of years of an, an ex, extremely toxic masculinity-filled um, like filled society, and that shame is also put towards these people and the idea of toxic masculinity. And when shame is used, it's it's very difficult for people to, to step away from that and to change. And the unfortunate thing about it is because, it, you know, there's so many people that, that, that may be experiencing toxic masculinity. And, and believe that's the only way. But for so many, it's not necessarily their fault because that's how they're raised and that's how our system has taught them to behave. And, and yet now they're being, you know, shame is being used um, towards them and, and it, it, it makes people reluctant to then change and to try to understand new values of manhood and what it means to be a man nowadays. And so it, it goes both ways for people who are so scared to, you know, open up and how to express themselves and things like that. But for also the people that society, you know, created this toxic idea of masculinity. And now they're shamed because they've been raised and taught by society to be that way. And it makes it a lot more difficult for them to try to break down those notions of society that they've been taught and to be willing to change and relearn what it means and all those things.
1: Absolutely. People say that you can't be what you can't see. And so I want to kind of show boys that you can still be a confident socially well liked, adapted, content, happy person without being the negative expectations or ideas that we have around manhood, that you can embrace a much more positive and a much more fluid fluid version of manhood and still live a very happy life.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. And when you were when you were growing up and going through high school and middle school and, and learning what it means to be a man. Do you, do you think that you had like anybody that you felt you could have that conversation with? Or were you just taught that that just wasn't something you could talk about that you couldn't open up? Or were you fortunate enough to at least find some people? And that's why you've been able to have the confidence now to take this step and try to let other people have that ability.
1: I did have one or two people in my life that very much gave me those outlets. I, I went on a uh, school trip in high school and we had to keep Uh, journals as part of the trip and one of my teachers was very very encouraging of us to like open up express our authentic selves and honestly that trip that trip really opened um opened my eyes in a sense my experiences with my teacher Mr Sellers he was very very encouraging of us to explore our authentic selves and as he would say speak your truth and so that I think kind of gave me a little flavor for these types of conversations and a hunger to pursue a more authentic self but it's only been through growing and experiencing different different things um, and through my time at McGill that I've really come to the understanding I have now.
0: I think it, I, I like the, the saying of like, speak your truth, because although, you know, the, sometimes it's overused nowadays or used in different contexts, it, in its core, you know, meaning is, is very important and like not enough people speak their truth because they don't feel like they can. And so like having that idea that you can speak your truth and you know it's important too, because how else are you supposed to like express your emotions and your feelings? And without being able to speak your truth that's never going gonna happen, that step can't be taken.
1: Right. And like at my core, I believe that guys want to have these conversations. I have this deep feeling that everybody is kind of just waiting for someone to make the first move. And once the first person breaks the ice, then the floodgates will open, and you'll have these like really fantastic, amazing, conversations and moments of sharing. In my experience, guys, we don't really ask each other how we're doing on like a deeper level very often. And but we also don't volunteer the information if something's gone wrong. This is obviously a massive generalization, but this is just my experience. I've found that while guys might not volunteer information about if they're struggling with something, if you ask them how things are and you try to really get a sense of how they're feeling and how they're doing, they're more than happy to talk about that. And so I want to just provide that initial spark to start those conversations. I totally agree with what you're saying. And,
0: you know, it's funny because I I noticed the same thing within myself and maybe you agree, but like, I have, you know, tried to take the strides and had, have conversations like that with my friends, Um, you know, personally struggling with those things. I'm like, well, you know, it feels like if I'm struggling within having these thoughts, then maybe my friends are as well. So like, I should try to have these conversations and things like that. And like you said, most of the time it's receptive. People respond to that because everyone has that feeling and those thoughts, but everyone's scared to be the first one to say it. But having said that, and regardless of the fact that, you know, sometimes I try to be the first, I've had friends do it and be the first to have that conversation. And sometimes it, it takes, it, you know, it takes me aback. I'm like, whoa, what did you just ask? Like, that's not just like, how's your day or what's going on? And that's funny because like as someone who's also trying to have that conversation, even when I hear it in my own group of friends, but it's not me saying it surprises me sometimes that like a conversation or a question like that's being started or being asked. And it's just funny that like, even though I'm trying to do it myself, when I hear it coming out of someone else's mouth, it still surprises me because of how
1: new of a concept it is for us. Absolutely. And I find too that when sometimes when other people hit me with those questions that normally I'm in the position of asking it can make me uncomfortable. So uncomfortable, like crazy. And I was like, wow, this is crazy because it doesn't
0: necessarily make me want to, you know, stop asking those questions because it's still so important, but it just like gives me that, that new lens of how it feels on the receiving end. it's like, okay, like you really do. You need to let them take their time and take a second to think about it and let them compose themselves. And, you know, however they want to respond, let them give them that space and time to have that conversation because it's an intimidating question right off of the gates. It, it, it can be scary. It's like, whoa, what did you say? Like, you, you want me to you know, open up? For, that's kind of crazy, um, which is unfortunate because there's no reason for why it should be. And I don't know if you agree with this, like you said, this is a generalization, but for me personally, like these situations and these things they more than less, you know, unless someone's trying to start it themselves, it usually happens very casually. And and it's approached in a way that you're kind of like right on the line where you're like, we're talking about this, but no one's actually saying what we're talking about. But instead, it's just like, you're kind of like walking along the fence and like covering these topics and ideas but just not asking the actual question because it's like that's like the jump it takes and now suddenly it's this scary conversation and also I find like you know like obviously this is upsetting but for me like You know, these conversations happen after like a night of drinking with my friends or something like that. And then everyone's sitting around on the couch after and watching a movie. And that's when these conversations happen naturally, because otherwise it's it's too intimidating. Like it takes some of that liquid courage to get talking, which is unfortunate. But, you know, in my experience, that's
1: that's what I found. And I I feel like a lot of people could agree with that. Absolutely. I've had friends joke like, oh, I'm not drunk enough to talk about this. I want to try and move those conversations. Okay, maybe those first conversations you have are when you're both fucked up, but then move that to be more comfortable with that intimacy, with that vulnerability to a point when you're sober and are able to have those conversations with each other sober. I was listening to something and the presenter was saying that girls tend to interact with each other face to face, but boys interact with each other shoulder to shoulder when they're at like a sports bar or watching a sports game or something where they're not, they're literally not facing each other. And that having that distraction of whether you're playing video games or watching a sports game or something or something on TV, that removes a degree of intimacy and vulnerability in a way that makes it more comfortable for guys to open up with each other. And I completely related to that. I think some of the most like intimate conversations I had with my male friends in high school were while we were playing FIFA. Um, cause if any time the conversation hits too close to home, you can go back to like, you just go back to the screen. The exactly.
0: So, you know, after we, we just talked about that and we had those, those sh- same shared visions, I think it's a, a good time to kind of move into the idea of the, the talking about like, what is your goal for modern manhood? What do you want this to achieve? And obviously, I think like as, as a general thing, you're working to try to, you know, get rid of the stigma of having to do a drunk or playing tea for all these things. But at its core, what do you want matter,
1: modern manhood to be? Right. So abstractly, the goal is to give the next generation of men the space and the confidence to pursue a self that feels authentic to them and for that authentic self to not be considered more or less manly based on how it fits with gender stereotypes concretely and in terms of how we're carrying that out we're starting with working in high schools and I'm curious I mean this is this is all a work in progress we'll see how it goes it might be really successful and and take off and it might crash and burn and go down in flames but this winter I want to talk with boys in high schools and have those conversations see what what I learned from and those experiences in the future potentially developing the curriculum to work with uh, McGill um, potentially. I know with, with Frosch, we had consent training. Um, if there could be, and there's also res projects after Frosch for first years. If there could be some sort of program we could develop around that or in conjunction with that, I think those would be really, really, really important to have. Also working with fraternities, I think it is something that is important. Um, fraternities are very much kind of a buzzword for when people talk about toxic masculinity, problematic men, but you know, like you have to be the change you want to see in the world, in a sense. And if you're intentionally not going and having the conversations with the people that are often demonized, then you're not doing the whole work. And that's, that's the hard work. That's the meat of the work. So I think working with rats could be a very interesting and hopefully rewarding experience.
0: I couldn't agree more. And and after you had said that, it kind of sparked two separate trains of thought. But one, I'll, I'll start with this one, is like, when I, you know, when you were talking about, um, you know, certain words or things like that, that are associated with toxic masculinity or those ideas, one of the biggest things, and it was brought, obviously, to popular media attention in the past couple of years, was, was the term um, of locker room talk after Donald Trump's big scandal. And I think it's just interesting, because like, right now, locker room talk is being used in common day media and as and is, is, is an excuse. And because, you know, you're just with your guys, you can have this locker room talk. But, you know, as we transition towards a, a different approach and understanding of manhood, I think what locker room talk could encapsulate and what it could move towards is, as we talked about it, it was those conversations where you're sitting on the couch and playing FIFA or like where you're just with your guys after a drink or something like that. And like locker room talk, right now is as an excuse it's like well i was just with my guys like it was just we were playing around and that's not acceptable we can't we can't use you know the idea that you were just with your guys or things like that to say negative things or bad things like that's that's not going to work but instead is like a thing that like locker room talk is like you being able to be vulnerable and like you know open up with your friends and and you know have those conversations and seeing you know the the progression from it being used an excuse to a, a place where you can have those conversations and open up is, is would be very nice to see and avoid these excuses that people create. Because, you know, although they were taught these ways by society and that's how they're raised and educated, we, we got to step away from making excuses for actions and these things and try to, you know, move forward and progress forward and learn new things.
1: I And the whole idea around locker room talk, I think comes back to the reality that Very often, guys will say say things in the presence of other guys that they will not say when they're in the presence of girls and women. And that's a reason that for the Modern Manhood program, I want to talk to classrooms of boys where it's exclusively boys. um, Because there's a lot of, I think, ugly truths that we've all lived as men that we often don't share with women and ugly truths that are only expressed in the presence of other guys. I went to a very liberal high school, and we would often have assemblies where we would have a progressive speaker talking on a given social issue. And the dynamic that played out would be the guys that needed to hear that message the most would be the ones in the back of the auditorium taking a nap or on their phones. And then the discourse that would play out would be that the quote-unquote problematic opinions that these guys held they didn't necessarily change their opinions they just became more closeted with those opinions and it became things that they would only express as part of locker room talk or in in the changing rooms and stuff on the bus and it's only by drawing those guys in and having conversations as I said by men for men that I think we can hopefully shed some light on these uh these issues and work to make progress and unravel some of those beliefs.
0: Yeah, I I want to cover the the made by men for men thing, but I just have one question first as you were talking about, you know, implementing lesson plans in high school and we just had that quick side conversation, but I want to just go back to that quickly. What for you was the motivation for choosing high schools is the place that you are going to start this project, because a lot of, you know, there's different organizations that are working towards, you know, different things, whether it's within the feminist movement or things like that, that work within the community at McGill or like within, you know, like trying to put on workshops for McGill students or, you know, people like that to try to get them involved here. So when you were creating Modern Manhood, why did you choose high schools? Why did you go back a step? Why did you decide that the, for you, you wanted to try to implement these lesson plans for them?
1: Because I think the conversation needs to start happening earlier. I and my friends have only really started consciously talking about these things while at university. Um, but I very much had formative experiences that developed my opinions on what it means to be a man earlier in life. And I think that's common for everybody. And I think that high schoolers are ready for these conversations. I think in the future, working with middle schoolers um, or slightly younger kids could definitely be a great thing. But I, the lesson plans that I've been developing, I wanted to be able to have conversations with a lot of nuance. And I think high school guys are ready for that, but are still early enough in their life experiences where they're still forming their ideas around ideas of who they want to be as an adult. I think high school is also very much a time when you're experiencing a lot of firsts and a lot of adolescent firsts and how you react to those, right? Whether that's your first kiss, the first time you like go to a party. Um, I'm thinking, what are the examples? Just like you become more of an autonomous, independent person. First sexual relation, all those aspects of becoming
0: an adult and transitioning to adulthood.
1: Exactly. And so how you manage those transitions and those firsts, I think is really important. And so I want to help provide some vocabulary and some structure as boys have those experiences.
0: I think that's, that's definitely important. And I think, you know, as you say that high school boys are ready, um, you, know, uh, you know, some people may disagree with that or have different opinions, but I think those opinions and disagreements based on the fact that like, like in the way that society perceives kids in high school right now, they're not ready. But it's just because they haven't been taught, they're not educated to be ready. But if we start these lessons and talking to them and having conversations, like, I would absolutely agree that these kids are ready, they have the ability to understand what you're saying, and they they want to learn as well. But just we, we see them as being like these animals or just like so young, immature guys in high school, but that's just because that's that's how they're being painted right now. That's that's the idea that society perceives them as still being like these childish, immature kids. And you know, maybe their front and like how we see them, that could be true, but that that is only because of how they've been raised and educated and taught to behave in society. And so if we start that discussion and the dialogue with them at a point in high school, then I think that you would have success and they would be receptive to that and able to understand and learn. But going from there as well, as you say that you had a very liberal experience with high school and that's how you came to here, you were able to have some of those conversations and awakenings and understandings. In the contrary, I came from a very um, conservative uh, high school and instead of understanding that it's okay and being able to, you know, I was kind of forced to take those steps by myself and, you know, it became so much like of suppressed emotions and understanding and trying to figure it out that I had no choice but to try to understand and learn these things by myself and on my own and when I transitioned to McGill you know I had a lot of new understanding and uh, trying to like find a place in this new environment where people came from very different backgrounds and very liberal backgrounds that were a lot more progressive in the things that I was taught and like understood and so we came to these same thoughts in very different ways but I think it's just interesting that you know having the two opposites yet we can both agree on so many things shows that like there is this shared idea that people want to want to take this step no matter how we get there it's just we, we don't have the facilities right now to allow that to happen
1: absolutely I mean it reflects like what a broad issue ideas around masculinity are there things that boys across the world are dealing with so whatever whether you're your experience growing up was liberal or conservative. We're all struggling with many of the same things.
0: Absolutely. So you aim to open these things in high school. And you're you, as you're reaching out and trying to get people to join your project, you did a call out for past McGill students or current. Um, do you see any place for modern manhood, like within the mill? Male- McGill community, like you talked about workshops and things like that, but do you have any ideas or ways that you want to try to implement like a community section of modern manhood to like promote these ideas and morals just amongst themselves and things like that? Are you just still currently seeing it as a project that's focused on teaching and providing information and lessons?
1: Yeah, it's still early stages right now. I'm definitely focused on the developing the curriculum and the lesson plans for the high school and recruiting a team. But I'm as much a student as I am a teacher. I'm no expert on these things, right? When I when I sent out the uh, put up flyers and sending out applications, I said, your only the only requirement is lived experience as a man, because I think we're all learning as we go along. And so I could just as easily imagine some sort of discussion group at McGill talking about these issues that we're teaching about, as I could imagine us actually going into the schools and teaching about those issues. So one of the, one of the hopes that I have for the Modern Manhood Project is that we have a dialogue among ourselves. And whether that develops into a, a more autonomous McGill-focused group or not, we'll see. But I think right now I'm just trying to get the ball rolling with starting the conversation
0: and as you say made by men for men you talked about that earlier you just brought that up again Um, i i personally like you know having that conversation or like talking about trying to create a a project that that works to create a new understanding of masculinity and manhood in these times um how do you see this project fitting in in relation to the feminist movement and like if people had their reserves or concerns of this being a attack against feminism because, you know, there's more important things to be working towards, like equality between genders and things like that. Do you, do you see this as like being important right now? How do you respond to something like that?
1: Right, and I think that's a really important concern to address. The project that I'm developing is very much something that I want to happen in conjunction with the feminist movement and something that everyone can think of as an extension of the feminist movement. The feminist movement has done a lot of great work in getting women to question gendered expectations, and I wanna continue that work with men. And the reality is that the patriarchy is gonna remain firmly in place until we're able to get men to question the expectations around manhood, since those expectations cause very real harm, both to men and to the people around them. There's um, a quote that I really like from Bell Hooks, who's a, a famous scholar, thinker, author, Um, And she said that the first act of violence that patriarchy demands of males is not violence towards women. Instead, patriarchy demands of all males that they engage in acts of psychic self-mutilation, that they kill off the emotional parts of themselves. If an individual is not successful in emotionally crippling himself, he can count on patriarchal men to enact rules of power that will assault rituals of power that will assault his self-esteem. And for me, that was just a really powerful quote.
0: Yeah, that, that is a powerful quote.
1: Absolutely. And so it shows how the patriarchy is something that harms men rather than advantaging men, which is something that's easy for us to think of like, oh, no, it's the system that helps us get paid more and like makes us feel safe when we walk out at night and shit like that. But I think that that quote really lays bare how this is a system that harms everyone involved i'm really happy to hear that response because
0: i absolutely agree and i think to to allow not allow but to encourage the feminist movement to have as much success as it as it needs to have it requires everyone being on its side and and with our current stigmas of toxic masculinity and our current understanding of everything there there's a lot of people who might not be receptive to that because of how they've been raised and educated and taught and so, by destigmatizing these things, and you know, having this conversation, it, it allows men to, you know, I, it, it's it's silly, you know, it's silly to even say this because it's just an absurd thing when you actually like say it out loud. But like, there's part of me that actually believes that there's men that are intimidated by the feminist movement like worried that, you know, like worried that they're going to lose out on getting that job or things like that because of all these things, whether it be affirmative action or things like that, they're they're, they're not receptive to because they're scared, they're intimidated, they're worried that it's in a direct attack on all these ideas. And, and that's what, you know, needs to be, that, that stigma, that idea needs to be crushed to allow, it needs to be, you know, broken down to allow Men to understand that, that that's not what's happening. We're just working towards equality, which is deserved by all, and we're working to, you know, allow everyone to integrate in society equally. But until you know, men stop thinking that it's an attack on their rights or anything like that, which is absurd. But I I I, I truly believe that a lot of people think that. Um, it, it, it just, it won't be able to have the success it deserves. Men need to understand that that's not what it's about and they need to be encouraging of it and accepting and understanding. And something like modern manhood allows that to happen more naturally.
1: Yeah, so I'm, I'm hoping that the project can be just a very small factor in advancing those conversations and in allowing men to be more authentic versions of themselves in ways that don't have to live up to certain patriarchal expectations. In all of this, I don't want to, I don't want to paint men as the enemy or traditionally masculine things as the enemy, like I I often go back to saying like you can, you can play Call of Duty and like paint your nails, you can like go to the spa and listen to trap music, like there's no mix and match of things that are acceptable or unacceptable, generally speaking. Just like create it for yourself. If it's what you love for yourself, if you love playing Call of Duty and watching shoot 'em up movies, like do your thing. But just don't feel like that's the only acceptable thing that you can do. It's also okay to express these versions of yourself that are not considered traditionally masculine. So I don't, I don't want to villainize men in any of this. Um, and I think that's another concern on the opposite end of the spectrum that some people have about the program. It's I'm not trying to create some us versus them. Like we need to get rid of men or like unman men or some shit like that um i just want people to be able to be themselves yeah and i you know obviously i <laughs> i i do
0: i love the uh, you know that if you want to you know take all the duty but paint your nails and go for it but you know because that's like as I, I was raised with those traditional like values of being a man and all those things um, but then naturally tried to educate myself and learn new things that, that's that's the reality that I live in now is like that I hold some of the traditional values of who I am and how I represent myself and express myself and then also I'll paint my nails and wear some crazy shirt that I would have never worn five years ago and all these things and I'm able to express myself in both ways and be comfortable with that and it, it's as you've said or you know I think you agree with this but it's it's the educating of it's to educate men that it's okay to do both. It's, it's just like giving them the level of education and understanding to know that all is okay. It's not telling them what's right or wrong, or you can only do this or this, or, you know, call of duty is not allowed. It's you can play call of duty, but you also are allowed to know that you can paint your nails and do these things, giving them the education and the resources to understand that that's all okay.
1: Absolutely. And I think like people in my experience, people, admire that and respect that because when you have this like mix and match of interest that is uniquely you, it reflects a sense of self and a sense of self-confidence and people who aren't intimidated by that will openly admire that. So absolutely like go be a fangirl at a Dua Lipa concert, but also like listen to future you know like do do your thing
0: yeah it's it's definitely interesting you know that you say that and talk about the whole thing of what's okay and what's not because in in current you know conversations and you you see it a lot nowadays on social media and and different dialogues this idea um as you expressed like it's okay to listen to future but also go to do a leap right after or something like that it's like there's there's a conversation or like this this assumed thing where it's just like oh if a guy li- listens to Kanye West or like you know likes Joe Rogan he's automatically like you can't trust him it's a red flag it's it, all these things but it, you know we have got to move towards like doing one of those traditionally masculine things isn't necessarily um, a red flag or an immediate sign of being a toxic man or any of those things but also allowing them to understand that they can do both things And also be aware of the content that they're consuming and just like all of those things and understanding, you know, some of the things that are being said or all of everything encompassing within that realm.
1: No, and I think just being aware and being conscious in how you consume different things, media content is just what's the most important thing at the end of the day. Because like, I think everybody has these contradictions in the values that they like to live up to and the content that they consume. Right? Like, I love future, but a lot of the shit he says is objectively abhorrent.
0: And that's, that's why I say that is like, it's like making sure that they have that level of education of understanding of what they're consuming. It's consumed as like, you know, good music that's catchy. I like listening to that, but the the morals and the things that that is being preached within that song isn't necessarily something you should support or encourage, but you're consuming it as a form of, I suppose, art or like a, you know, it's a musical piece. You're listening to it for, you know, the melody and the track and everything that it just sounds good, but
1: Yeah. And like, maybe, maybe in the grand scheme of things, I'm wrong for supporting certain people, but I definitely am a believer. Like we're not saints. We all have these contradictions built up in us. And as long as you try to be aware of the things that you're consuming and in your own life, if you're living up to the values that you hold in high regard, then that's all I can ask.
0: Yeah, that's definitely important. And I definitely think that it's a, it's a valuable moral to To keep on your mind, I think that that kind of wraps up our conversation. So, thank you so much for uh, sitting down and taking the time to have this conversation with me today. I I think that the, the the morals and the goals of modern manhood are so important, and I'm I'm so happy to see that we share very similar views on this approach. And you know what you're preaching and trying to educate people for um it's super important and and i'm very excited to see you take the project on and i'm I'm looking forward to seeing how it grows in the future and your how you succeed with it um so as a final little thing if, if anyone listening right now is interested in checking out more or learning more about modern manhood is there anywhere they can go to uh
1: either get involved or find out more about the project or movement Absolutely. So I've been promoted a bunch on my Instagram. It's at Lenny Hana, L-E-N-N-Y-H-A-N-A. I have like a highlights posted there with some details on the project and also a link in my bio that links to just a general information form where you can apply to the program or just sign up for a newsletter. Also, if you aren't on Instagram, you can email me at thomaslenhard500 at gmail.com, T-H-O-M-A-S-L-E-N-H-A-R-D as in dog. 500 at gmail.com and we're really excited to get the projects off the ground. and anybody who's at all interested i really encourage you to reach out we're looking to uh get more people involved
0: i'd like to extend a big thank you to lenny for joining me in this amazing conversation make sure you check out the modern manhood project and please stay tuned for future tribune content